You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and I'm joined today by Big Blue View contributor Nick Filato as we react to day one of Giants free agency, the what is commonly called the negotiating window, but where anyone who watches the NFL and understands it knows that that pretty much all the big stuff happens in day one and day two before the actual signing period starts. So we'll talk about what the Giants did. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing well, Ed. Thank you for having me. And it's also good just that the New York Giants address the offensive line in somewhat of a capacity here. So I'm excited to dive into that today. Well, and I'm excited by my timing today, Nick, because you and, and, and Chris Flum did a show today. And you, you silly people, you recorded a show before the Giants actually made any news, before they made the the moves that we found out about, you know, Monday evening on the offensive line. So, so I get to have you come on and talk about that. Yeah, the timing wasn't great for Chris and I, but we still went over a bunch of the, I guess you could say, big news of the day. The Jacksonville Jags just spending Evan Ingram going down to Duval. And uh, a lot of other things that we covered on the show, just from stuff happening around the league. Yeah, so let's talk about the uh, the Giants and the offensive line. Added Mark Glowinski, former Indianapolis Colts guard, three-year, $20 million contract is what's been reported, $11 million guaranteed. Followed that up with what really has been the expected signing of former Buffalo Bills offensive lineman John Feliciano reportedly to play center. Now, you know, my gut reaction is that I like this very much. Neither one of these guys are great NFL players, but they're both competent, capable NFL veterans who can help the Giants in 2022, who give them options and who can help them as Joe Shane tries to navigate a really tricky cap situation, you know, and, and building a better future for the Giants. So I feel good about these two signings, even though they're they're not by any stretch of the imagination top tier NFL offensive linemen. And the Giants, as we all unfortunately know, they were in no position to go after the Brendan Sheriffs of the world. They had to kind of find quality veteran presences that can kind of step in and 
start for the New York Giants in this 2022. And I felt like they did that. They did exactly that. This is what we expected. I mean, John Feliciano, Daryl Williams was released earlier. We had a post on Big Blue View about which one would you prefer? And Daryl Williams, I think, would be the one that I would prefer. But he's going to come at a much higher cost. Feliciano can step in, and I think he can be a solid or adequate to solid starting center for the Giants as long as he's recovered from the injury, which he was because he did return to the Bills late in the season. And then Glowinski was somebody I wasn't certain if the Giants were going to be able to afford. I watched a tape. So one game and a half of his, I watched the Rams game, which was rough from pass protection, but he was going up against Aaron Donald a lot of the time. And then I watched the Ravens game, at least most of the Ravens game. I got to finish it up. And from what I've seen so far, he's a solid run blocker, I'd say. I think he's adequate in pass protection, better run blocker than he is in pass protection. If I'm going to be honest, I feel like he fires off the ball, establishes solid leverage, but as the play wears on, like a lot of players, his pad level tends to rise just a little bit, and that was exploited against quicker pass rushes. But I think he's going to step in here, and he's an automatic upgrade over any interior offensive lineman that the Giants had last year. Now, Nick Gates, Nick Gates, I would say, is one that could definitely be argued, but he was only there for a game and, what, a drive or two drives last year, unfortunately. So I really like the addition of Glowinski. The price isn't too exorbitant, and I think he's one of those players that I ex- I hoped the Giants would go after and get. I don't think he's this guy who's going to absolutely change the – offensive line in the sense that he's a true difference maker but he is a professional he is a starter and that's what the Giants need and and he's a guy that gives you the opportunity to as the Giants look toward the draft it's really it's three years 20 million dollars it's the way those contracts work in the NFL it's really a two-year deal it gives the Giants the opportunity to go into the draft maybe look at one of the offensive tackles you know, in the top 10 and maybe go into the middle or lower parts of the draft and find a developmental guard, somebody that they can bring in maybe and, and, uh, and develop to take over in a year or two. And I kind of feel the same way about Feliciano. We've been expecting Feliciano and I didn't really think about Feliciano as a center until earlier in the day on Monday when I was doing some research and I discovered that that he does have a decent amount of center experience. He played more than 200 snaps there for Buffalo in 2020. He's played 300 and some odd snaps at center during his career. And really, he gives the Giants time. He gives them flexibility. We don't know what's going to happen with Nick Gates. I I have my doubts that Gates is going to play at all in 2022. And if he does, it's certainly not going to be at the beginning of the season. So Feliciano gives them at least an adequate center until Gates is ready or until a developmental center that they might draft in the middle of the draft might be ready to take over. So again, sort of buying time, you know, buying at a low cost, buying competent players that that uh, that are upgrades from what they had. And both of those players fit that bill with Feliciano and Glowinski. They're both competent players that are upgrades. And then you also got to look at the move that they made with the kid from the Falcons, Gano. He's a player that 
doesn't have the experience that these two players have, but I feel like he has a little bit more upside because he is younger and he's a pretty good athlete, but he's also somebody the Giants aren't going to have to rely on. So you're just bringing players into your building and having them compete. And that's all we really ever wanted. We wanted true competition, nobody being grandfathered in, and then have roles that are going to actually be earned. Now, I think the Giants will invest in the offensive line in the draft at some point. That's not a groundbreaking statement, but if it is later, that person isn't going to have to be thrust into action. He can wait behind the Felicianos of the Golinskis or the Gonos of the world. So I'm really appreciating what Joe Shane is doing right now for the New York Giants. It's not flashy, but I feel like it's savvy and I feel like it's prudent. Well, it's exactly what we expected because we knew that he wasn't going to be able to, you know, and you said it at the top of the show, we knew he wasn't going to be able to shop at the top of the market. We knew he wasn't going to be able to go after Brandon Sheriff. We knew he wasn't going to be able to go out and look at the top offensive tackles. So he, he, he's finding players that can help, you know, while he builds out the roster the best he can through the draft. And while he straightens out the, the cap mess that the giants are in. And uh, you know, you, you talked about Matt Gano and I look at it this way. I still would bang the table for Evan Neal or Icky Equino at five. If both of those guys are gone, I'm banging the table all day long for sauce Gardner. If we're sitting at seven and Charles cross or Trevor Penning is there, you know, I when we did the seven for seven the other day, I didn't put those guys on my list. But the more I look at cross and the more I think about it, I might put cross on my on my seven. I don't, you know, but cross is a guy. If you draft him, there's going to be a learning curve moving left to right, playing more out of a playing out of a out of a three point stance on occasion, doing more run blocking. And a guy like Matt Gano is a signing that might give them a chance to allow cross to develop. Yeah. And I think that's another excellent point cross. I don't, I feel like a lot of giant fans are just writing him off. I don't want to take the third best tackle, but if the third best tackle is still graded higher than players at other positions, why would you not entertain that? So I'm, I'm about entertaining Charles cross. I don't know if I would want to go that direction or feel forced to go that direction. If a Kayvon Thibodeau was around or a sauce Gardner, but I also think the giants are in an interesting position as well at five and seven with Carolina kind of splitting the difference between them because Carolina last year, they drafted JC horn and they were criticized for it because they passed on some really good quarterback prospects. And then they traded for CJ Henderson, who was a top 10 pick two years ago, another cornerback. So would they go cornerback again in the top 10? I'm not sure. So would that would the Giants weigh that in if they're sitting there at five and they're like, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau's around. We like him. We like maybe even a Charles Cross. I think Sauce Gardner is going to be available for us at seven if we don't want to trade back because I don't believe it's in Carolina's best interest to add a cornerback and there's other value that they might be interested in. Sure. You know, the uh, it's all about options and, and heading into the draft is all about not being in a situation where you, where you absolutely have to do something. And to his, to his credit with the offensive line moves so far, you know, Joe Shane is lessening the burden. I guess you want to say is lessening the burden for, for absolutely having to force a pick 
I mean, he's got to add offensive line talent. There's no doubt about that. But as you said, if they're if they're not 100 percent sold on on Charles Cross or on Trevor Penning as a as a top 10 worthy pick, they don't have to do that. They could pick a cave on Thibodeau, who's another guy that I love, or they could trade down and add some extra capital. So, yeah, but but this is this is what you hoped that Joe Shane would do. It's exactly what we hope Joe Shane would do. And he's doing it right now. And, you know, he said that he's, this isn't a throwaway year. He wants to attempt to compete. And I think we can all be realists here and realize that the Giants aren't necessarily in a position to compete right now as currently constructed. But the steps that have been taken in the last couple of weeks, specifically today, I feel like at least gives them an opportunity to compete, especially in the NFC. The NFC, yeah, they got Tom Brady back, which is awesome for them. But other than that, you have the Packers, you have the Rams, 49ers you don't want to write off. But it's not that much of a – a. it's not too crazy to think a seventh seed could be achieved from one of these teams that were really bad in 2021 if everything fell in the right direction. Now, I'm not saying the Giants are going to make the playoffs or anything like that, but I'm just saying it's not the AFC, the NFC. When I talk to Mike Tannenbaum, former GM of the Jets the other day, he said he was part of a Jets team in, I think it was 1997, that the year he, the year he was hired, the previous year they had gone 1-15. And he was hired when Bill Parcells came in. And that first year they went 9-7. and seven. And the second year they were in the AFC Championship game. And Mike also pointed out, and Giants fans are going to hate this, but Mike also pointed out the 2021 Philadelphia Eagles, who were 4-11-1 two years ago. And last year, what were they, 9-8 and eight and made the playoffs? Yeah. So it can be done. I mean, let's, let's put it this way. Let's forget playoffs. Considering where the Giants have been, five straight double-digit losing seasons – if you can win eight or nine games, playoffs or no playoffs, if you can win eight or nine games, doesn't that feel good? Doesn't that feel like progress? Doesn't that feel like competent football for a change and maybe that you're moving in the right direction? I, I think that would be outstanding for the Giants. Actually competing in December, that would be yes. great. And yet they competed in 2020, but that was one of the weakest divisions that, 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 that doesn't really count. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Ed, did, did Mike talk about Peyton Manning's decision to not go into the draft after that one in 15 season? Uh, no, 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 he didn't. You know, that's <laughs> selective memory, maybe. Maybe, maybe. But uh, yeah, so I mean, I feel like we're on the right path right now. And yeah, as was, we all knew, I thought it was great that Joe Shane was able to to get Sterling Shepard and Blake Martinez to come back. And and you you hit on it. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to throw the 2022 season away. They're trying to and it 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 comes back to Daniel Jones. They're trying to judge a quarterback. They're trying to figure out and they have one year to do it. They're trying to figure out if they can go forward after 2022 with Daniel Jones and you can't do that. If you put a horrible team around him, that's, 
that's what he dealt with in 2021. He dealt with no supporting cast. Giants tried, but because of injuries and, you know, and everything else that was going on with the Giants, it didn't work. Two years ago, it didn't work either because he just had nothing. So you can't judge a quarterback if you don't put anything for him to work with around him. And, and I think they know that. They definitely know that. But I'm also interested with Daniel Jones. Would the Giants really, even if he does have a really good season for Daniel Jones, now we're not talking about Josh Allen, they would have to pay this guy. Paying a quarterback is it's, it's a lot of money. And the rookie quarterback window is a real thing. So I'm like looking at Daniel Jones, like he needs to do everything correctly. I feel like to, to, to stick here, unless he's just another one year type of deal. Now with Daniel Jones and these young quarterbacks, he's, I, I kind of feel like he might just be like the perfect bridge quarterback right now. You he's can always, bridge for whoever's going to be here next. You can always, even if they don't want to go forward with him for the next five or six years, you could always franchise tag him next year. And a it's a lot of money, but it's not $35 million like you're paying Kirk Cousins. You know, it's which is which is insane money for Kirk Cousins. But you could always franchise tag him and still draft a quarterback to develop behind him and then move on after that. I suppose that's that's one way to do it, but but yeah, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Jones, but if they're going to give him a fair shot, you can't you can't rip apart the roster and and expect him to uh you know, to look like uh, to look like a pro bowler. No, absolutely. It would be very unfair to the kid and the kid hasn't really had the best shake since coming into the NFL. But Ed, so not to change subjects completely, but Chris and I on the show that dropped previously, everyone go download and listen. We were talking about oh, how nice Hassan promo, Reddick, by the way. Nice, nice little promo. Good job. Got it, man. I got <laughs> it. We were talking about how Hassan Reddick is now in the NFC East and how that's might not be great for the New York Giants because that guy just seems to turn it on when he plays against the Giants. Yeah, I you know, Hassan Reddick's a guy that I would have loved to have seen be a giant in twenty twenty one. I don't I would have loved to have seen that. I'm not really sure why the Giants chose, you know, not to go in that direction, but I really don't want to go down the path of of wondering why Dave Gettleman did much of anything. <laughs> so, but but yeah, I really thought that Reddick was a guy that the Giants could have gone after. I mean, because of because of his his local ties to New Jersey, because of the the position that he plays, you know, I, I thought he would have been a great fit for the Giants. He probably still is a great fit for the Giants, but like a lot of other guys on the market, a lot of guys that signed today, a lot of guys that are going to sign going forward, the Giants just don't have that kind of money to, to play with. And, and you, I don't want to say take your medicine at this point, but but you you can't play in the ballpark of the kind of money that Hassan Reddick and, and players like him are going to cost. Oh, absolutely not. They were in no position for that. It just sucks that the Eagles have them and now the Giants got to face them twice a year because I don't want to see like, five, six sacks again. <laughs> it's, it's, it, seems like, it seems like the Eagles, for, for whatever reason, 
always have about eight zillion guys that can rush the passer. Yeah, it definitely does. Even like they got Ryan Kerrigan last year from Washington, who was over the hill and quietly one of the more surprising almost Hall of Fame resumes. Like I, I stumbled across Ryan Kerrigan's resume not long ago, and I was like, dude, this guy could possibly be a Hall of Famer. And nobody even thinks of him as like that great of a player during his time. It was like, eh. But like the guy has so many sacks. He was on their team last year. I don't know if he did much, but the Eagles, they stockpile. And they got Josh Sweat, kid they drafted, I think, in the fourth round out of Florida State a few years back. He was a really good player, but was really injured in college. And he's starting to really come into his own as well. So – Nick, I want to ask you, obviously, I tried to tell people for days that the Mitchell Trubisky hysteria, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, hype train, you know, to the Giants had, I mean, that thing had flown off the track and was just, you know, it was crazy. But I tried to tell people it wasn't going to happen. It wasn't realistic. Maybe the Giants would have loved to have had Trubisky, you know, for a year, for three or four million dollars but he just got two years 14 million and change from pittsburgh with the possibility of what i saw reported that that deal could pay him as much as 27 million dollars over two years the giant no chance no chance the giants were ever going to be able to compete with that but the giants still do need a backup quarterback and I mean, for who are the guys? Who are the guys that that you think you know might be the right fits? We're probably talking about the Jacoby Brissetts of the world, maybe the Trevor Simeons of the world. Um, but who are who are the three or four guys that you might really like to see the Giants go after? So it would all come down to money, but I think we can all agree that the Giants need to invest in that second quarterback, the Mike Lennon experiment. That was a disaster. I thought Colt McCoy was better than than what he was probably giving credit for, but he can't really stretch the field vertically. But in terms of mentally, he's going to be able to set everything at the line of scrimmage and know what the defense is going to do and know and get his offensive players on the same page, which is a very underrated part of playing quarterback in the National Football League. But I'm looking around. I see Tyrod Taylor's name. I think that would be an interesting one. My issue with him is he's injured a lot but he's an exciting player who has athletic ability. So I don't feel like you would have to change the offense too much. If Daniel Jones ever goes, gets injured. Another player that I've seen was a free agent was case Keenum. And I'm not sure if he has been signed in the last couple hours, if he has my bad, but I feel like case Keenum is always one of those backups that you just want on your team. When your quarterback is either injury prone or is a, or struggling like Baker Mayfield was both last year, because he's competent enough to step in and run an offense for you. He's smart, like Colt McCoy, like we were talking about. And he isn't insufficient in terms of his arm strength, his ability to push the ball vertically. He doesn't have a huge arm, but he can he can move the football for you. So I think Case Keenum is another name that I like. I just don't know what his market value is and if the Giants can realistically allocate whatever his market value is towards him. I'm not really 100% sure on the money side of that. But those are two names that I like. I'm not opposed to to Jacoby Brissett either. He has a really large arm. He can stretch the field vertically, and supposedly everyone loves him everywhere he's been in New England, in Indianapolis. They all love Jacoby Brissett. So he's another name that I'm not – and in Miami, another name that I'm not really opposed to, to be honest. All right, and another thing that I think we need to talk about sort of 
under the radar, smaller thing that the Giants did on Monday. They brought back CJ Board, who's a guy that I'm happy they brought him back. Really good special teams player, both in coverage and as a return option. Possibility as a as a reserve, you know, extra wide receiver when you need a fill in when somebody's hurt. Um, and they also signed Robert Foster, who's a really under the radar player. But the intriguing thing about Foster is that the one good NFL season he had was for Brian Dable in Buffalo, also played for Dable in Alabama. Neither one of these are real impact, you know, wide receiver. You know, they don't change the wide receiver room. But my thought it was we know that the Giants still have cap issues. We know that sooner or later they probably have to move on from James Bradbury they might have done enough where they can hold off until the draft, depending on how much they want to do in free agency. But when I think of the two wide receiver moves that the Giants made on Monday, I wonder if the Giants are going to go forward with Darius Slayton or if they're going to look to cut or trade him and take the $2.5 million cap savings and uh, and just go in a different direction. Thoughts on on Slayton's possible future with the Giants? Well, Darius Slayton has been his career arc has been heading downward since 2019. Unfortunately, showed a lot of promise as a fifth round pick coming out of Auburn. Looked like a, a hit, but he's struggled with inconsistent hands for the last two years. And CJ Board has stepped on the field, and I felt like looked like he belonged. Now, not somebody that you would necessarily want to be in 11 personnel sets but if someone gets injured you can put them in there i can see it happening especially because we know that the giants have a number in mind 40 million has been floated out there that they want to get to i don't know if they're going to realistically be able to get to that if they don't do something about saquon and then there's obviously james bradbury like you said so i'm not fully on board with the giants definitely should move on from darius Slayton. i do think there is talent there but this kid is in his last year he has struggled a lot, and adding Robert Foster is interesting. Now, Robert Foster was with Dable for two years, I believe, in Buffalo, and then he was at Alabama with him as well. He's a similar type of player in the sense that he can stretch the field vertically. He's fast. So it could be that, or it could just be we're bringing guys that I'm familiar with and guys we're going to have them compete. We all know one thing about football. It's money. It all comes down to money at the end of the day, and – I look at Darius Slayton, like I said, I, I don't like I like him, but is he a true difference maker on this team? Not really. No. So if you can save that two and a half million, could be an it could be something that's gonna happen. But I want to ask you, is that a post-June thing or is that a pre-June thing before the draft type of move? That's a, that would be pre-June. A lot of his money is because of the proven performance escalators. So they bumped his they bumped his uh, his 2022 salary up. So I don't think it matters whether it's pre or post with uh, with in terms of Slayton. But as you said, I I still think there's talent with Darius Slayton. I just think that is that talent worth two and a half million when you're cap strapped? I think that if the Giants feel like they can get adequate play you know we're talking about fifth wide receiver play 
We're talking about special teams play at this point. If they can get that kind of play from somewhere else, I think it's hard to, to pay two and a half million dollars for it. Well, Sterling Shepard being unhealthy, presumably because of the injury that he suffered, if he might not be available for week one, that bodes in the direction for Darius Slayton. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I think that the Giants in this um, yet another really deep receiver class probably going to invest at least some sort of asset in the draft into the wide receiver position, which could ultimately lead to Darius Slayton being released. All right, Nick, I'm going to bang the table right now. I'm going to bang the table. I'm banging the table, and I'm going to give you one name. Late day two, early day three. Give me George Pickens. Give me George Pickens all day long. I don't know if Pickens is going to be around then, but like again, it is a deep wide receiver class. So that's an interesting one. And him and Kenny Galladay on the field with each other, that would be really cool. You got two trees out there running routes for you, just plucking balls out of the air. <laughs> so so who so who's your guy? Who's your guy at that point in the draft? So if we're Where looking don't you at have one yet. I mean, there's a bunch of guys that I that I like at the wide receiver position. <laughs> I haven't gotten a Sky Moore's film yet, but I liked what I saw from him at the combine, and I like the highlights that I've seen. But I don't want to, I don't want to cause a whole, I don't want to think about him just off of that. So I have to kind of get into his film. One name that is interesting to me, and I don't know where he's going to go, is John Mechie. Like I feel like people are forgetting about John Mechie because he tore his ACL at Alabama, similar to Jameson Williams. But Jameson Williams was like all the talk in 2021, how great Jameson Williams was. And it's easy to see. The guy has like Jalen Waddle type of speed, takes top off the defense, going to be a first-round pick despite the fact that he tore his ACL in January. But I don't really hear a lot about Mechie. And if Mechie's around, you know, late day two, that's a guy that I would bring in because that's a guy who's going to do dirty work for you. He's going to be a chain mover. He's pretty solid route runner. I would say his hands could, could use a little bit of work, but I think he could come in and be a wide receiver too on your team and allow Kadarius Tony to, to be Kadarius Tony. And I think that's somebody that should be healthy by the start of the season, but you could get him out of value because of that injury. Interesting. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see what happens on, on day two of free agency. I think, uh, I, I think the Glowinski signing might well be the Giants' big splash for 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 free agency if it if that even qualifies as a big splash. But Giants fans, I think uh, you should feel much better about the state of your offensive line. Please remember to stay with Big Blue View on all of the uh, different platforms. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on on all of your favorite podcast applications, our website, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're, we're everywhere. You, you, you can't get away from us, Nick. They can't, they can't get away from us. They shouldn't be able to get away from us. I don't know why they'd ever want to get away from us. I, I, I don't understand. Why would <laughs> anyway, they want to? No idea. Why would they want to? I have no idea. All right, Giants fans. You know, subscribe on YouTube. Subscribe on on your favorite podcast application. Thank you, as always, for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, 
perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic.